It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who win. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans. Where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO podcast. OH! Uh, hi-yo, and welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is a wild man, Chris Wilds. And this is our official Cotton Bowl preview. We will have a cast of characters coming in and out of this preview if you're listening to it on your podcast listening platform of choice. If you are, please give us a five-star review. We really do appreciate that, and it really does help the channel. We are the official Ohio State podcast of ScarletAndGame.com, brought to you by Fansided. Head on over to ScarletAndGame.com, type that in your Google search there, go over to that website, read great articles written by myself, other great writers like Frank, Ryan and a whole other cast of characters who love and cherish the Buckeyes just as much as you do. Chris, we made it through the Christmas season. We are back, and now we are ready to preview Ohio State against Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? Hey, I'm just excited to have football back, Eric. That's my big thing, you know. Uh, now, Now, don't get me wrong. As a Browns fan, things have been going pretty well this year, but <laughs> nothing beats Ohio State football. So I'm, I'm really pumped, really excited about, uh, you know, it's game week. It is game week, Friday. Uh, you know, it seems a little weird to have it on a Friday night, but that's okay. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, I made the mistake of putting Saturday this morning because I'm so used to games being on a Saturday, but. Uh, it is uh, it is going to be on the 29th, Friday. It is the first of the, I guess they call them the New Year's Six Bulls, even though that's not a the thing 29th. anymore. <laughs> so, but, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we are excited to go ahead and break this down here in this first part. Historically and statistically, later on, Aaron will be on. He'll be breaking down some film, and we do have some special guests from a, a Missouri podcast that'll be joining us as well to look at it from their perspective as well. So all of that being said, let's jump into the first part of this, Chris, and take a look at this from a historical side. Of course, the game is this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN or ESCCPN, as we like to call it. No word yet on what the uh, referee crew will be. Maybe the Pac-12 
the uh, the ACC, something on that nature. But uh, check it out on ESPN this Friday. Set them DV, DVRs if you need to, etc. All right, looking at this thing by the numbers, Ohio State leads the all-time series. Believe it or not, Chris, 10-1-1. We've played them 12 times. Back in the 1940s, they went through the, almost an entire decade of playing each other back and forth. However, most of those games were played at Columbus. Uh, only one time in those tw- in that 12-game series did we go to Columbia, Missouri, to take on the Tigers in their home field. Everything else was played in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio State won the last two in a row. Of course, those were both in the 1990s in a home-and-home with John Cooper. Last meeting, 1998, 25 years ago. Buckeyes won that contest 35-14. I actually remember that game. I was uh, 17 years old, Chris. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Was that the game where uh, Katzen were totally decimated? No, that was 97, wasn't it? That was 97. 97 was uh, uh, the first game in that series in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was the home game. Uh, the only game in Columbia, like I said, was 97. Ohio State won 31 to 10. Largest margin of victory came back in 1944. That was a 54 to nothing shellacking. Largest margin of defeat was in 1976. Woody Hayes lost to him 21 to 22 at the shoe. Ohio State's longest win streak over the Tigers is five. Started in 1939 and went through 1945. Ohio State's record in the Cotton Bowl is, and interestingly enough, 2-0. Missouri's record in the Cotton Bowl is 2-1. Ryan Day's record against the SEC, Chris, is 0-2. Elia Drinkwitz, the head coach there for the Tigers, his record in bowl games is 0-2. So something's got to give there. Either Ryan Day's finally going to get an, a win over an SEC team, or Coach Drinkwitz is going to get a win uh, in a bowl game, one of the two. <clears throat> Looking at the last 10 matchups against Missouri, again, Ohio State's dominated with eight wins. There was one tie in 1946, and the lone was- loss came in 1976. Of course, all of that was before my time. I do remember the 97 and 98 games, again, as Chris alluded to it, the Katzmoyer game in 1997 when he about uh, broke their quarterback in half. So that is kind of the look at this thing historically. Um, I think this is probably the biggest game between the two teams, Chris, just looking at things in perspective of history because it's the only one that's coming at the end of the season in a bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is and this is really huge for both these teams because Ohio State has to show that they're getting it right. Uh, you know, you've got a new quarterback. Um, speculation is starting to come out now that, uh, you know, we may not see Marvin Harrison Jr., so there's going to be some some new guys uh, out there receiving. Won't see, we won't see Fleming. We won't see Fleming. So, you know, I think a lot of guys from Ohio State have a lot to prove. Ryan Day needs to prove himself against the SEC and that he can win the big games. And, uh, you know, Missouri's a team that really wants to, to show that they are going to be a force in the SEC. Uh, they're a team that gave Georgia all they wanted this year. Uh, you know, they, they played some solid football this year. So uh, they have a lot to prove that they are, you know, really a legitimate powerhouse. So. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a top ten matchup, too. So it is a New Year's Six game against two of the top <laughs> – 
<laughs> Excuse me. Uh, still dealing with this cough, apparently. Didn't cough all day till we started recording. Um, top 10 matchup. And you have, um, like you said, an SEC team that was third, the third best team in the SEC, a Big Ten team, second best team in the Big Ten, going head-to-head in a New Year's Six Bowl. This is still a big deal. And if you want to project this out into the future, like you said, then which team is going to take the necessary steps to make sure that they set themselves up to be a, a, uh, a CFP team next year when it moves to 12 teams? There's a good chance that both these teams – uh, have aspirations of being in the college football playoff again next year. Based off of what I'm hearing from a lot of players probably going to come back next year off this roster, Ohio State might be one of, if not the number one team to start the season off next year, just basing, looking at the cast of characters, the roster, etc. Um, not sure about Missouri's future on that aspect, but you got to feel good if you're a Missouri Tiger fan that you're number one A in this bowl game, and number two, your trajectory under Coach Drinkwitz is moving in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, like I said, they're they're not a team to be uh, slept on. If Ryan Day and the Buckeyes go in there thinking that this is going to be a cakewalk, as is you know. And let's face it, typically if you get an SEC team other than Georgia or Alabama, it's usually not near, uh, you know, as competitive as you would think it was going to be. Depending on the year, an LSU, an Auburn, a Florida, depending on the year, Tennessee last year, uh, Missouri was that is that team this year. They are that next tier team in the SEC, not named Georgia or Alabama. So. You need to win this game. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's that simple. And, and like I said, this has got to be huge for Ryan Day. I think he has to take this very seriously because right now, as much as a lot of people may still not want to hear this, Ryan Day is – that seat's getting a little warm. It, 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 it's getting warm. Uh, you know, and I really feel like if he doesn't come out and have a good showing in this bowl game – it goes from warm to hot right before the next season kicks off. Very well, very good possibility that that could be the case. Let's look at this thing statistically now, break these two teams down from the stat point perspective. You want to go with Missouri or Ohio State first, Chris? Let's start with Missouri first. So the Missouri Tigers come in, they average 442.9 yards per game. That is 23rd best in college football. Third down conversion rate of 44.4%. That is 31st in college football. They are the best team in the country in red zone scoring at 98.2%. Total defense, 347.2 yards per game uh, given up, which is good for 39th. They are very opportunistic with a turnover margin of plus 9, which is good for 12th in the country. Penalties per game, now this is a spot where they trip up a little bit. They average 7.17 penalties per game, which is 116th in college football. Individually, the offense is led by Brady Cook. The quarterback comes out 233 out of 361 passing for 3,189 yards, 20 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Cody Schrader, he's their leading rusher with 247 carries for 1,489 yards, 13 touchdowns. And Luther Burden the third. He is their top receiver, 83 catches, 1,197 yards, 8 touchdowns. Defensively, 
it starts with Joseph Charleston. 59 tackles on the season to lead the team. Darius Robinson, he has seven and a half sacks to lead the team uh, there as well. Four interceptions lead the team by uh, Chris Abrams-Drain. Two forced fumbles uh, by both Christian Williams and Johnny Walker Jr. Johnny Walker Jr. Gotta yeah. love it. I be, every time he gets a forced fumble, it just tastes right. I, I'm I'm thinking for their fan base, that's got to be a drinking it, game, right? It has to be. It has to be. Uh, two fumble recoveries by Tristan Newson, and then a defensive touchdown each for Dalen Carnell and Jaden Jerrigan. Kicking, uh, you know, not bad, but not great. 24 of 30 on field goals for Harrison Mevis. He has a long of 61. He is 43 of 44 on extra points. So solid in the kicking game, but not, you know, not tremendous. We flip it over to Ohio State. Ohio State comes in averaging 425 yards per game. That's 35th best in college football. Third down conversion, they are 46.4%, which is good for 18th in the country. Red zone scoring. Now, here's uh, something that we've really got to work on. We are only 86% in red zone scoring, which is only 56th in the country. But total defense, 259.9 yards, which is good for third in the country. We have to be more opportunistic because we do only have uh, we have a negative one turnover margin. Uh, that's 74th in the country. Penalties per game, we've been pretty solid here. Five and a half for 45th in the country. Now, there is a change at quarterback, Eric. Uh, Kyle McCord is no longer with us as he's up watching uh, Syracuse just get pummeled. Uh, Devin Brown is going to take the starting snaps. He is 12 of 22 passing on the season for 197 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But, Eric, this kid looked really good in those goal line packages prior to, uh, you know, the injury. Travion Henderson, 137 carries for 870 yards and 11 touchdowns. We talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. He does lead the team in receptions with 12 or 67 for 12-11 and 14 touchdowns, but he is, I'm pretty sure, a non-factor in this game, which means it's going to a Mekeg Buka, 35 catches, 452 yards, four touchdowns. Defensively, Tommy Two Thumbs is at it again, leading the team in tackles with 80. JT Tumaluau comes in with four sacks on the season to lead the team. Two interceptions by Jordan Hancock leads the team as well. Eight pass deflections by Denzel Burke and Josh Proctor both. So these guys, they may not be pulling it down every time, but they're breaking them up. The kicking game, 15 of 18 for Jaden. Fielding on field goals with a long of 47 and 49 of 50 on extra points. So, Eric, that is where we stand statistically. What are your thoughts? Got to keep him out of the red zone. Um, I would say we have a bend but don't break style of defense in this game, which has been very um, kind of the MO this year for Jim Knowles to not take too many risks. Um, I'd like to see him dial up a few more blitzes than what we saw against that team up north. Um, I think sometimes that can create some opportunities when you have a good quarterback like they have probably uh, not going to surprise him with anything that he hasn't already seen. So you got to play with everything in front of you, but that doesn't mean that you don't get a little bit more aggressive 
and throw a rusher or two at them every now and then, especially on third and longs, right? Um, they're very good at running the football. Um, you know, we've been really good at stopping passing, and I would say at times we've been good at stopping the run. Um, go back to the last game we played against that team up north. How many times could we have gotten off the field on third and shorts, fourth and shorts, and we didn't get off the field? Um, we have to do that in this football game. We cannot allow Missouri to control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, stay ahead of the chains. If they do that, given the firepower that they have offensively, given how good they are in the red zone, that spells trouble for this Ohio State team, given the fact we don't know offensively how good we're going to be. No Marvin Harrison, no Kyle McCord, no Julian Fleming. That's three offensive starters that you're going to be without. But I'm not too worried about losing McCord. I think Devin Brown offers Ryan Day a little bit more flexibility in the run pass options he can yeah. call. Um, you know, we don't have Chip Traynham in this game either. And if you remember back during the red zone offense that you alluded to when going over the statistics with Devin Brown, Chip was his lead blocker on a lot of those goal line runs that yes. he had. Who's going to step in and do that? Um, is it going to be a Dallin Hayden? Do we have someone else who can come in and kind of be that person? Do we motion Cade Stover into the backfield and he becomes a lead blocker in those situations. Um, It's going to be interesting to me to watch offensively what Ryan Day draws up, given the fact that we have a new quarterback, who's going to step up in the wide receiver room. Amek Egbuka probably playing in the slot. Who's going to be on the outside? I think Carnell Tate might have a breakout game. This is, we've seen this before multiple times. Marvin Harrison did it once in the Rose Bowl with Jackson Smith and the Jigba, right? <clears throat> Maybe this is Carnell Tate's day to become uh, QB2 for next year. Um, Let's not Brand- forget Brandon Ennis. I mean, yeah. him and McCord hooked up for a big one at Purdue. They did. And, it, you know, wouldn't that be great that if Brandon Ennis and Devin Brown have some chemistry out there that we just didn't know about because they were working together on the side? in practice when they were getting second team reps. Um, there's a lot of those questions offensively. How much has the offensive line progressed since the last time they were on the field? Um, are they going to be able to win the line of scrimmage? If they can win the line of scrimmage consistently and give Travion Henderson lanes to run the football and Dallin Hayden when he's called upon, I feel very good that we're going to score more than enough points to win this football game, given how good our defense has played this season, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and I, you know, I look for this to be – I think this is going to be a little bit different type of game. I think we're going to be even more run-heavy this game, given the fact that Devin Brown hasn't quite gotten, you know, all the reps. He's coming back off of injury. Yeah, I mean, we know Ryan Day's going to throw the ball, no doubt about it. Uh, and he's got to see what he's got in that quarterback. But I would not be surprised to see Dallin Hayden and Travion Henderson both have a pretty decent game. Um, for me, I want to see if losing any of that defensive back depth hurts us at all. Uh, you know, we, we have several guys from the defensive back room who've moved on uh, to well, the portal. What we did in the depth, Lathan Ransom's injured. Yeah. Um, so he's not going to play. Uh, this will be Proctor's last game as a Buckeye. He has no more eligibility left after yeah. this game. 
I'm assuming this is probably Denzel Burke's last game as a Buckeye. I think he's a first round draft pick talent. Maybe, well, now, but I thought so. But now I'm seeing a lot of uh, draft boards that have him in the second, even as slow as the third round. I don't I get think, that. I think I think that's a bunch of BS. Honestly, you and I have watched him all year long. He's a first round talent. He, yeah, easily. absolutely. I think he has a good game. He probably bounces uh, to the draft, but <clears throat> you know we'll see. Um, the Tommy Eichenberg is questionable for this game. As of today, when we record this on yeah. Tuesday, December 26th, um, he was in shoulder pads, and that was the only pads he was wearing. So I think it's going to be probably game-time decision for him. Cody Simon will take his spot if he can't go. Steel Chambers is ready to go. I would love to see him initiate the C.J. Hicks defense in this game. Yeah, Get the absolutely. kid out there. Get him out there. Um, I don't know why they've held him back so much. The only thing I can assume is he's just not been ready to play. I mean, I sometimes you, you do you play think it's a, that, or do you just think it's been so hard for him to get steel? And, you know, when, when you only have two linebackers really on the field, uh, you know, it, and steel and, and and Eichenberg have both had tremendous, tremendous seasons the last two seasons. I don't <laughs> do know that. That's, yeah, because if you're if you're going to play him, you would play him for steel, right? I don't think CJ right. is your middle linebacker, uh, which is what Tommy is. But given given the four two five that Knowles likes to run, I'm not so sure that CJ isn't more of a hybrid. Yeah, that that linebacker safety. Hmm. So you know, and are you going to play him over Sonny Styles if that's the position that you would, you know, plug him in on that on this defense? Probably not. Uh, I just – I don't know. I just feel like C, like at some point this season, they really should have put CJ in there. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and see what he could have done. Because when he has had the chance at end of ball games to flash, boy, does he flash. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he gets playing time. I think Cody Simon is definitely the go-to if Tommy can't go because he's rock solid in the middle. He's going to – he's going to – you know, he knows the defense – He's going to put people in the right position as the quarterback of that defense. There's no way that they they move Steele over the middle or put CJ in the middle if Tommy can't go. Uh, and plus, Steele's, Steele's also been very solid throughout his career, moving over yeah. to that linebacker room. And, you know, maybe that was just the whole thing. CJ just got kind of blocked until next year. But um, that's, that's an option to look at as well. This defensive line's got to get home. They have to. They have got to get home in this game. They have got to create pressure um, on the passing game. They've got to plug running holes in the running game. This game defensively, I think, sits on the shoulders of that defensive line. If they look like they did against Michigan, I think Missouri's got a chance to beat us. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree. I'm telling you, Eric, this is a team that you know. <clears throat> I think, like I said, usually when we get that third, fourth best team in the SEC, there's such a big fall off that we tend to look past them. But this is a legit team right now, and with us just not knowing what we've got, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the defense has to step up. And I'm with you. I think that I'm not too worried about our guys in the middle of the defensive line. 
Uh, I think that uh, the the Ty Leak, I think that Mike Hall Jr., I think those guys are going to be okay. Uh, I'm a little more, a bit more concerned about the fact that what we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen flashes of it, but what we haven't seen consistently out of Jack Sawyer and JT Tumulow. And I, I almost feel like if you were to ask me, now I know the draft, you know, if you look at the draft boards, I think they've got uh, JTT uh, late first, early second round guy right now, just based on his ability. I think they've got uh, Jack Sawyer somewhere in the third round. Um, man, Eric, these guys should both be, you know, first round draft picks based on their ability. <coughs> they we just haven't shown it on the field. We thought coming into the season that they had the opportunity to do that. And it, it again, it was kind of a letdown this season on the defensive line. The development has just not been there since Chase Young. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and is yeah. that an indictment on the, the the players that we're bringing in? Or is this an indictment on the coaching staff? Or is this, you know, something about, like we've, we've alluded to before, that Jim Knowles and Larry Johnson just cannot work on the same defense? I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case because this trend started before that, before Jim Knowles yeah. was here. You know, you had five-star Jonathan Cooper who didn't see the field until his senior year, really. You had Zach Harrison, who another five-star never, never really developed. Never materialized, yeah. Um, you know, so – and it's not like the defensive line has been putrid. It's just not been what – you know, to the level that we expect. <clears throat> when you look at the – excuse me. <clears throat> when you look at these other teams statistically and you see – you have a guy with seven and a half sacks leading the team, nine sacks leading the team, eight sacks leading the team late in the season, and our guy leading the team in sacks is with four. Four makes you question. Absolutely, you got a question, you know. And I, and, you know, far be it for you and I to question the the legendary status of Larry Johnson, but at this point, one has to ask the question. You know, you know, Ryan Day is probably asking that question. Where's the production on the defensive line for me, guys? You know, my first year I had Chase Young absolutely wrecking offenses from the edge. No one could stop him. Teams literally tried to triple team him and couldn't do it. And he hasn't had anything like that. Now, I understand that Chase Young is a freak. He's a once in a generation guy. But so is Nick Bosa. So was Joey Bosa, right. and we got and we got him back to back to back, six consecutive years of just domination from a defensive end, and we all thought Jack Sawyer and JT Tumula were going to be those guys. Now be careful, Eric, because you're starting to sound a lot like you're, you're Kyle McCord bashing on the defense now. I'm not bashing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. But I mean, if you look at it, that's very much what we went through at the quarterback position. You know, we we went. You know, we had Dwayne Haskins, we had Justin Fields, we had uh, uh, Stroud, Stroud, uh, and, and then McCord's biggest problem. I mean, he had other problems. I mean, let's face it, his his technique was just not great. Um, but I think one of his biggest problems was he just couldn't live up to the pressure. He couldn't live up to the standard. And I kind of feel like that's what we're seeing out of our defensive ends right now as well. Guys who flash but can't consistently do it that are just not living up to the standard. Yeah, you make a good point. You go back to that Penn State game two years ago 
with JTT. Had the greatest statistical game from a defensive end in the history of college football. But what you has know, he done since? It, you know, there's there's been flashes. Yeah. But the consistency's not been there. You're right. Um, you know, Aaron Aaron felt has publicly said he feels both of them would benefit from coming back and having one more year of development. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta push back on that a little bit and say, where's the development been for the first three years? Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is we go ahead and have them come back. And don't get me wrong, I would love to see them come back and materialize into what we think they should be. But at the same time, in gaining that one year, how far are we going to set our recruiting back because of people jumping in the portal all of a sudden? Very good possibility. Good question. Something that we're definitely going to have to keep our eye on. Um, we're going to transition over now to uh, some game field with Aaron. So, Chris, we're going to he's going to exit stage uh, left or right, whichever one he decides to choose. Aaron's going to come on, and we're going to keep this train rolling. And I am now joined by Sergeant MVP himself, Aaron Brown. Aaron. It is Cotton Bowl time. Let's preview, like only you can, the <laughs> Missouri Tigers breaking down some of their film tonight, man. So you sent me some interesting film that I've gotten a chance to look at already. Um, we're going to look at their passing game and their running game through the eyes of their quarterback and running back. And then we're going to look at their defense, which you feel um, we can exploit. Uh, yes. Friday. So which one do you want to start with first? And uh, we'll just jump over to the film and get it, get it rocking and rolling. Well, you know, I'm not too terrified of either, but if I had a concern, let's look at their offense. All right. So let's jump over and look at Brady cook. Yes. The quarterback. So uh, make sure you can see that, Aaron, and uh, go ahead and start talking about the QB1 from Missouri. Yeah, so this is Brady Cook, guys. <clears throat> Very accurate. He's got nice touch, and as you see right now, the kid, he can run a little bit. He's not a smooth athlete exactly. You know, he's not Justin Fields, uh, but he can get the job done, and that is something that's going to hurt us. That's That's something we haven't done a fantastic job of this year. It's not exactly a weak point for us, but it's not a strong suit either. We've been kind of mediocre at stopping uh, quarterbacks that can extend plays like that. Um, but the big thing is, is our secondary is going to be tested because this kid can put the put the ball where it needs to be. And his receivers, he's got two really good ones, man. And and I'm not sure what their numbers are, but uh, it's Luther Burden. That's their leading receiver. Uh, he's got yeah. 1,197 yards and eight touchdowns on the season. And then the number two guy is Theo Weiss Jr., I think is how you say his last name is Weiss or Weiss. Uh, he is second in receiving yards, and he has six touchdowns on the season. Um, these are the guys we got to watch for. Uh, safety play, as you see in these films, these guys get behind the safeties. They get behind the DBs somehow, some way, and they make it happen. Like, look at the touch on these passes, Eric. The kid, can he can throw it a little bit. Um, I don't know about a cannon for an arm, but he's got some great touch. Look at this, right where it needs to be. Um, so this right here is a concern of mine. Our DBs are really going to have to be on their game this week. Uh, you want to take a look at Cody Schrader? I kind of I talked about I coupled in the wide receivers in with this. Uh, that's really <coughs> yeah, I see concern. that. So 
I do want I do want to make a comparison, and I was getting ready to look his name up. And again, I'm it's been a long day, so forgive me for not remembering his name. But Oklahoma's Heisman Trophy winning quarterback played for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield Baker. <clears throat> That's who he reminds me of a little bit. Um, he might actually be a little bit better of a passer than Baker, and Baker might have been a little bit more better of a runner or a little bit more explosive with his legs possibly. But I would say calling him a poor man, Baker Mayfield is not a terrible comparison. I wouldn't even say poor man. I I think he's, I'm not going to say the kid is a Heisman winner, but he's not bad, man. Like if he, I bet if he played in a different conference, like watch him, that's the kid can do it. He can get the job done, but I see what you're saying. And I agree. I think he's a better passer. Okay. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think that's possible, possibly kind of what we're looking at with him is, is what Ohio State fans might see. Hopefully we can, we can bottle that in, but let's go ahead and talk about the running back here. This is a, this is a kid who no one wanted, who, who's kind of a blue collar from division two found his way to Missouri and has made something for himself here. Yes. This kid is the up and comer. He's a senior. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what eligibility he has left through COVID or any other means, but he is a senior by class. Um, excuse me. He's got good vision. He's patient. He doesn't have Travion speed, and he's not shifty, but he is a very good one-cut back. Like, watch him. One cut, and he's picking up eight, nine, ten yards every time almost. Um, so the key here is going to be making sure that we stay home, we're reading our keys, and we plug these gaps up because clearly he's not afraid to kind of bounce it outside, you know. But look at this, split zone blocking on their part. And that's something else that Missouri's good at on offense, man, is they're very balanced with how they throw the ball and run the ball. Um, now, they, they're I, – I don't remember how many touchdowns. I think he's got 13 or 14 touchdowns on the season. So um, he's definitely – He's their red zone guy. If they get inside the 10, they're going to ride him into the end zone. 13. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. So the kid can get it done. He's got good vision, like I said, and he is a patient one cut back. Uh, so to me, this is a guy that he'll hurt you. He's not flashy. He's a very, you said it best, he is a blue collar type of running back that kind of earned his way up to this level. And that is something that we have to be weary of because the kid is going to work for it and he's going to make yeah. you work for it to get him down. Tough. <laughs> you know, when, uh, like you guys just like you'll hear in our interview with uh, Skeeter from the Missouri podcast. Um, this is someone who is coming into this game, not going to back down one bit for the fact that the Scarlet and Gray are going to be uh, lining up across from him on defense they welcome the challenge. They're not going to be overwhelmed by the fact that Ohio State's going to be a, uh, who they're playing here. They've played Georgia. You know, they've played LSU. Um, they've played Tennessee. They've played Florida. Um, they've been in big games in the SEC, and they've done very, very well. And I think one of the reasons why is they have a guy like Cody Schrader, Aaron, who's just going to – he's going to refuse to quit. Absolutely refuse it. He's he is everything you want, and 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 the attitude of a running back, in my opinion. 
Yeah, he runs with a chip on his shoulder, no question mm-hmm. about it. You got to get him you got to get him down. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be one guy that does it, man. So, uh team tackling and making sure we're using good form and, and wrapping at the legs to make sure he can't keep it running cuz them legs he's he is a strong runner. So, defensively, how are you going to stop a cat like this? You got to <laughs> You got to read your keys and you're going to have to make sound tackles. None of this shoulder stuff that we've seen intermittently through the season that, you know, where we just grab a hold of the shoulder pads and are like, hey, you should fall down now. That can't happen. You have to make tackles against this team, against this kid in particular. Uh, So read the keys, plug the gaps for the defensive line. Um, Our safety or nickel, they are going to be imperative. So how Michigan got us out of alignment. Same deal here. We have to make sure that we stay in alignment because how he bounces out on a couple of these plays, um, that's where that's where we got hurt against Michigan. And this team is capable of, of exposing us in the same way. Like, look right here. <coughs> he picked up yeah. that first down because the safety was not there to make the stop, to stop it at the end, at the edge, rather. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right, Aaron. I think it's very important that we – bottle him up uh we have to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football in this game uh i know that that's so cliche to say the team that wins in the trenches is going to win a f- win the football game i i think this is so true in this game to this this week um if missouri's able to control the line of scrimmage like michigan did against us aaron they're going to win this football game but if we can push the line of scrimmage back and 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 kind of prevent him from having those big gapping lanes to run through then i think we've i think we're going to force them to be kind of one dimensional and then that plays into the strength of our defense so winning the line of scrimmage is key in my opinion it is and i'm noticing more and more just how much split zone they actually do and for those of you that don't know or maybe forgot that's where the tight end comes backside. You just saw it right there. Number 87 went backside and kicked out the the guy that would come down the line. So not really on this play, but the one before it. Um, yeah. So we right here. There you go. There's one. Uh, we can't have our linebackers getting sucked up into that gap because that's how that hole gets created when they get eliminated by the lineman or the linebacker because you see that lineman just pulled that can't happen. That's how the linebacker gets kicked out of the play, and he gets he goes for ten or more yards. Yeah. All right. So that's a little bit about their offense. You know, the quarterback, running back. Let's talk about the other side of the ball in the defense, Aaron. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> All right. Is the I'm still seeing Cody Schrader running the ball. Yeah, uh, I got the defense pulled up now. <clears throat> LSU's okay. right. LSU's trouncing them here. Okay, here we go. I got it now. So Missouri's, their main thing here is they run a true cover three, okay? And they play very aggressively on the run, as you're seeing. Like LSU can't run the ball very well at all against them, and I suspect that we're not going to be much better uh, on the basis of what we've seen this year. Uh, We've had a couple of good rushing games, but this is one where I think that Ryan Day, it plays into his philosophy, of passing the ball as many times as he needs to (laughs) Uh, because the, 
the strength of Missouri is not their coverage. All right. And I think there is a lot of room where Ryan Day, being the the offensive guru he is, to expose this defense. And they're going to have to do that uh, <clears throat> through levels. So maybe a, a Buka runs, you know, runs a streak. So he runs off the safety. Um, Cade Stover would run a short route and then whoever else, maybe Ennis or Tate would run like a, a 10 yard out, uh, which is something that I saw a lot of teams do. They would play into the, uh, the gap, the wide side, uh, as you just saw. Now he ended up running it, but they line up to the far side and then they can run levels. That's something where we've been known to do in the past. Uh, mesh. Now, some of you guys may think, okay, cover three, they can prevent the verticals, even with the safety being able to roll into the box, but you can run four, four streaks, all right? So four verticals. Why? Because a linebacker is going to have to make a coverage play on that somehow, and with a single high safety, somebody's going to get beat on that route, especially with the receivers that we have. So I would look for Ohio State to run some mesh, whether that's a little deeper or shallow. I would look for levels uh, near the sidelines. I would also look for verticals, uh, mainly like a four-wide, four-vertical set, Stover running with that. Um, and then depending on just how aggressive Missouri gets up front with blitzes and whatnot, I could see some screen passes to Travion happening as well. Uh, a la when we played Minnesota and they got really aggressive on the run and then Travion took it 70-something yards to the house. That was two seasons ago. But for those of you that remember, that's kind of, I think, what we might be able to see here. Um, the DBs lead the team in tackles, but that's not because the, the, the D linemen are necessarily bad. It's by scheme because what they do is they'll plug gaps and then what they do is they'll see it's a run play and the DBs come up and clean it up. But that type of philosophy is what makes them prone to the passing that we are so good at. So uh, I think this is something that we are definitely, definitely set up to beat. So uh, I think uh, what, what was his name? Scooter? Skeeter. Skeeter. <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to talk my trash, all right? But uh, what Skeeter said his concerns were was, was them being unable to stop us. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. What I don't agree with him on is them scoring a bunch of points on us. I just don't if, – if our defense shows up and plays the way they have all season, there's no reason this team beats us. No reason at all. They are the third best team in the SEC, Aaron. <clears throat> that's, and, that, uh... that's cute. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, he asked me what the perception was. We'll play one more uh, defensive play here. Um, he asked me what the perception was of Missouri from from the Ohio State fan base. And I said that they are a Midwestern Big Ten team that – is growing into an SEC team that we look at them as guys did. I had a doggone good year, you know, in, in, in one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in football, we're not going to take you lightly. Yeah. 
That's fair. I don't I don't think Ohio State's just going to roll their helmets out there and think that they got this thing won. Um, and so when you break down the film and you look at it, <coughs> one could make the argument that this is the second best team we've played this season. I don't know that they're better than Penn State. I think they are better than Penn State offensively. I do not I do not 100% believe that they are better than Penn State defensively. No. No, I don't see it and it's strictly because of the scheming matchup. You run a full cover 3, a legit and true cover 3 against an offense like ours, that does not match up nearly as well as what Penn State did. So, so if you look at that perspective, if we're playing say a Michigan level offense, but we're playing a gosh, what would I what would I uh, say their defense is the, about the level of? I would say even Notre Dame's better. Yeah, I mean I'm really I'm really scratching my Wisconsin head. maybe. Okay, yeah, I, I I that's that's the first name that came to my mind. <clears throat> Wisconsin defensively did some things in the first half to kind of irritate us right um so that might be fair i i just think if you're going to say was that missouri is the ninth best team in the country i'm not i'm not so sure that they're better than penn state i think this is i think penn state and would give missouri one heck of a football game i think that would be a great game and if we beat penn state like we did i i feel like we have the advantage here now we don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. He's probably not going to play. We don't have Julian Fleming. We know he's not going to play. He's gone. Yep. We don't have Kyle McCord. Again, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but we we're going to have everybody else. Tommy Eichenberg's probably going to be a game day decision or a game time decision. Lathan Ransom's injured. He's not playing. But I'm excited for some of these young guys to get on the field because I'm not so sure, Aaron. That like CJ Hicks isn't gonna flash. Yeah, Brandon that, A. Brandon Ennis gets in there. You never know. Denzel Burke flat out said Carnell Tate has been that guy since he came to the program. Is this his coming out party? Who told you that? So yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <clears throat> I'm all I'm all about it, Aaron. Burn the boats. Let's go, man. Well, like dude, I yeah. dude, burn the boats is right because Devin Brown is the wrinkle. That might be the difference because they don't have any film to prep for him on. They don't know what he's really capable of. Right. Let's 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 hypothetically say Devin Brown is about similar in talent to Kyle McCord at throwing the football. Here's the difference. And here is why I believe if he goes out there and he plays this way, <coughs> Ohio State Buckeye Nation is going to rally behind this kid. And that is if he on third down tucks it and runs yes. and goes and gets a lay, lowers his head and gets a first down on a big play. This fan base will go ballistic. He will win over this fan base at that very moment because it shows his heart, his grit and his testicular fortitude to go win the football game. I think this, that was what's lacking on this football team was someone to rally behind. They missed that. Hashtag. No Facts. wheelbarrows. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see one out this. <laughs> you know, I think it depends too. Is Ryan Day going to go aggressive in this game? 
or have the guys that opted in the big names that are, you know, draft eligible? Are they like, hey, we'll play, but let's not overdo it? You know, I would like to think it's not that professional up in the locker room where the players are dictating how the plays get called. But you don't know unless you're in there. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're if you're listening to the audio version of this, go over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash the at the Ohio podcast. Check that out. Look us up on YouTube and you'll be able to watch all that film that Aaron just broke down. We appreciate Aaron doing that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I will have my interview with the aforementioned Skeeter from the Woods Water Missouri podcast. Very great time. Had a good interview with him. Lots of fun. Make sure you check that out. Hang around with us, guys. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. And now I am joined by my special guest, Skeeter from the Woods, Water, and Mizzou Podcast. First off, Skeeter, Woods, Water, Mizzou. I know I understand the Mizzou part. What's the Woods, Water? You guys a bunch of hunters, too? Yes, sir. There's, there's three of us. We, we all met across Twitter uh lifelong missouri fans and we're all avid outdoorsmen and we wanted to do a podcast last year just to get more mizzou content out there uh we're not affiliated with any media or anything and just thought you know hey the fans need a voice and so uh in reaching out and talking to other podcasters they said hey be sure you have your your niche you know figured out and so we we got to talking about it like hey we love Mizzou. We love hunting. We love fishing. We love, you know, God's great creation. So uh, that's what we roll with. If this podcast, my podcast would do the same, it would be bad dad jokes, buck, <laughs> Buckeye football, and we record when our wives tell us we're allowed. So that would be. <laughs> hey, hey, you're preaching to the choir right there, other than the Buckeyes. Yeah. Well, well, as as an avid outdoorsman, I assume that you like big bucks, correct? Yes, sir. I like All big right. bucks and I cannot lie. <laughs> there you go. So do we. So do we. Yes, just ours, sir. Ours are just Buckeyes, right? So anyways. Yeah. Wow, man, what a what a great game this is lining up to be. Uh, number seven versus number nine in the Cotton Bowl. Haven't played each other for 25 years. Skeeter, what were you doing 25 years ago in 1998? Uh, well, I would have been a kid in southwest Missouri uh, rooting for the Tigers, you know. Uh, in 98, yeah, that's when I would have been falling in love with Mizzou and really getting in, getting the bug in me. Uh, other than that, probably getting in trouble doing stuff I'm not supposed to be doing. <laughs> Ditto. Very similar story. I would have been in high school, 98. Uh, been in high school. I remember actually those Missouri games, the, the home and home uh, yeah. in the 90s, 97, 98. Um, uh, Andy Katzemoyer, the big tackle. Uh, that's still a highlight around Ohio State um, in the 97 game. But uh been a long time since then. You guys went from the, uh, I guess big it would 12. have been Big Big Twelve, Big Eight yeah. before that, Big yeah. Twelve, uh, to the SEC. Now you're big. You're in the big. You're one of the big dogs in the SEC, man. Yeah, we got so. away from Texas, and now we're gonna be friends with Texas again. Yay! 
<laughs> Do you? I mean, I've always wondered this because there's always been a big question about would Missouri fit in the Big Ten? Do you guys view yourself as an SEC team, or do you guys uh, view more Midwest school? Well, we, we're definitely Midwest. We're not Southern. It's not Southern. There is some some Tennessee Southern culture, but you know how the Midwest is, especially when you when you throw in the big cities of Kansas City and St. Louis. You know, you get a hodgepodge mix pot of, of everybody of all different kinds of culture. So, uh you know, geographically and everything, Big Ten probably would have made more sense. Well, before you started bringing in the schools out west and everything, but right. uh, you know, and you probably could have some more natural rivalries. I mean, we already don't like Illinois. You know, from back when we used to play them in football, and would say we play them in basketball, but we didn't really play them last Friday. They just whipped us all up and down the court. So, uh, but you know. Big Ten is probably more of a culture fit, but the SEC wanted us because of the TV markets that St. Louis and Kansas City bring in. Uh, and, I mean, I know we're not the Ohio State. You know, we're not a national brand like that. But Mizzou has had some great years to our standards. Probably not great compared to y'all standards, <laughs> you know, but – uh, we weren't trending down or we, we definitely weren't flat when the SEC gave us the invite. We jumped on it. Yeah. 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 I think you guys were in the fir- very first year. Weren't you in the SEC championship game? Our second, third year. Second, third. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew it was early on. I remember that thinking, well, man, maybe the SEC's not as good as I thought they were type of <laughs> type of thing. But, you know, not to, not to, you know, downgrade you guys, but I mean, it just felt like, SEC was amazing, but I really, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to argue with me on that one. Um, I feel like the SEC is very top heavy. It is. Okay. But I mean, you know, national, nationally contenders every year is very top heavy. I would say middle down though, you probably have a deeper conference. I mean, you, you look at NFL draft picks and players in the league, and it's SEC dominated. So you have more guys that you're lining up with on Sundays uh, every Saturday when you play in the SEC to where uh, the Big Ten, I don't know that the Big Ten, now like Vanderbilt, what Arkansas has been the last several years, you know, like I can't, I wouldn't say that they just go into the Big Ten and, and be middle or good in the Big Ten, but uh, I feel it's, a little bit more competitive uh, every given Saturday in the SEC. So then let me let me ask this next question then for you. Do you believe that the SEC this season has prepared this team to be ready for Friday night in Dallas, Texas? I do, uh, but I don't know this necessarily the SEC. Like, I was bought in on this team early, just looking at the transfers in – uh, we were two and four and one score games last year. So we were in a lot of ball games that we ended up losing. And I saw the returners that we had coming back. Plus what we hit in the portal, saw the depth on the roster, and then looked at what other teams and across SEC lost. Uh, I'm a homer. As I told you in the pre-show, <laughs> I love my tigers. I drink the Kool-Aid until it tastes sour, you know, but, uh, I actually predicted an 11, one season 
uh, in the preseason when we're when we were doing our prediction show. But um, this team, the leaders across it, I just feel they they bought in, and you could have put them in any conference, and they would have had a a very good year, uh, knocking on the door of outstanding. So, I believe this team's leadership from the players within uh, are prepared for any opponent on Friday. How would you describe the offense that you guys run? The offense is very dynamic. It's very efficient. Uh, you know, Cody Schrader, uh, you get a guy that comes from Division Two. nobody really wanted him, coming out of high school, and he works his butt off. When he was playing last year, it was like, uh, he's got some flashes, but still needs to work on it. Well, the guy worked on it, and he has turned into an every-down back uh, I hope he gets to show out, especially his last game at Mizzou. But, you know, when the running game's going, the passing game's usually pretty good uh, and vice versa. So it's an efficient offense that doesn't get itself behind the chains a whole lot, and it doesn't panic. Yeah, I, I, well, I looked at the 2022 season's ending stats and compared them to 2023 and the jump was significant. Um, what is the reason for that coaching? I know you brought in a new OC experience. Was that a part of it? Um, schematically the transfers are all the above. It was just a, it's, uh, a it's perfect probably, storm. it's probably a mixture of everything, but uh, we got, you know, a little bit more help across offensive line. Uh, and you know, when, when you get a better offensive line to where the quarterback can be more confident back there, uh, you know, you look at Brady cook and he tore his labrum in game three last year and played the rest of the season with a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. He gets that repaired in the off season. So you get an upgrade at quarterback, you know, just because he's healthy in that aspect. Um, a big thing, Theo Weiss jr. A guy we get at out uh, of the transfer portal from OU comes in and really solidifies the receiver room. We move Luther Burden from outside receiver to the slot, and you see the results there just where he gets those miss, miss, mix matches with uh, nickelbacks and safeties and gets to work mm-hmm. in the middle of the field. Uh, he's an elite guy. Um, you'll probably hear just as much hype from him next year as what uh, your guy, Marvin Harrison Jr., was getting this year for y'all. So uh, just everything that Drinkwitz trying to run a team and coach the offense at the same time and be in control, it, I felt, was hurting him as a coach across the board. So you bring in an OC and he gets to be the CEO and Drinkwitz, you know, can focus on big picture, not just offense and quarterbacks and have to be so hands-on with just one, one group, um, you definitely see an improvement in that. Yeah. That's something that Ryan day has been, it's been talked about with him. And of course they made Brian Hartline the OC and he didn't call one play all year that I'm aware of. So Ryan day still uh, battling that issue. That's very interesting insight there. If there is one aspect of this Mizzou football team that you are worried about that might get exploited on Friday, what would that be? Uh, well, defense at times uh, ha- has been gashed for – I mean, there's there's been times to where they, they've given up pretty good yardage. Um, 
and we're we're going to be down our two starting linebackers, but the guys that are behind them have got a lot of playing time this year be, because of injuries with them. So uh, hopefully they're they're able to step up and continue a a high level of play. Um, but the defensive side would probably be what what worries me the most. I know the Ohio State defense comes in with highly touted numbers uh, across the board, and not saying they're not deserving of that. Just I don't know that you you look at the landscape of college football and the offenses that they go against week in, week out of the Big Ten, um, you probably expect with the talents that they have, with the number of guys that they put in the NFL on Sunday, for them to have a dominant defense. So I'm not as worried about the offense as I am uh, the defense with, uh, you know, missing the guys at, at linebacker. What did you guys, what did you all do and your fan base do when you heard Kyle McCord was whoop, in the transfer portal? Well, the first thing I did was I watched the line, uh, you know, because y'all opened up close to a, a seven-point favorite on on some sides, six on others, and I mean, in a matter of twenty-four hours, it, you know, the line had shifted to us. So uh, I was interested to see what Vegas thought of that because Vegas don't miss too much now. I think it's kind of swung back to y'all because everybody thought it was going to be a mass exodus with transfer portal and opt-outs, but. I kind of got excited until I got on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, and saw how the Ohio State fan base was reacting. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe it's not as a big deal. Uh, or maybe it's it's not going to affect the game as negatively as I would hope. Yeah. Um, what if I told you, as fans, we are actually all excited that he did that? Uh, that's kind of the vibe I got from <laughs> reading the comments online. Um, nothing against Kyle McCord. Um, I've I've tried to temper my, I guess, expectations for Devin Brown, um, with the understanding that Kyle McCord had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, based off the fact that the previous three quarterbacks at Ohio State were all first round draft picks, yeah. Dwayne, De, uh, Haskins, Fields. Stroud, all of them were first rounders, all of them uniquely different in a way. You know, Haskins was pinpoint accuracy, a statue in the in the pocket, though. Fields was very dynamic with his feet, such a gamer. Stroud was just probably, in my opinion, one of the best collegiate quarterbacks I've ever I've ever seen play. And, uh, um, you know, just fell up a little, fell a little bit short against Georgia last year. Um, really had him beat, you know, um, he gave every ounce of himself, left his heart on that field, and uh, will forever be thankful that he was a Buckeye. And then in walks Kyle McCord, and it was just like the air was let out of the room. The yeah. difference in, in moxie and confidence and accuracy and gamesmanship was just much. It was down here. Um, and the fan base wasn't going to let – let that stand. So we'll be interesting to see how Devin Brown does. This is his first start. If you were defensive coordinator of Mizzou, knowing that Devin Brown, this is his very first start, and here it is in the Cotton Bowl, would you be like drawing up blitzes, like every play, exotic blitzes? What would you do? I don't know because from the Ohio State games I've watched, you all do a lot with motion. Uh, I see a lot of rub routes to get receiver space. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when you blitz, you're exposing, uh, players or exposing parts of the field that you don't have covered now. So, um, 
I would be cautious in that. I would probably think run heavy, uh, defensive front, you know, kind of protect the box a little bit in the middle of the field, make him beat you on the outside, make him make some big-time throws and prove that he is at, uh, you know, level of talent uh, at quarterback. So I don't know that that blitzing uh, Blake Baker, he, he does dial up the blitz, but it's just not – it's not dominant on blitz. Now, a big thing, a big change in, in our defense this year, uh, through about halfway of the season, he came out and said, hey, you know, we were trying some zone stuff. We we got to where we were blitzing our nickel and dropping the defensive end in coverage. Well, that, that got exposed a handful of times. Well, he, he quit that and he said, hey, these guys are more comfortable playing man-to-man, and so that's what we're going to. And you, you've seen a difference in that. Um, so I'd, I'd be timid on, on blitzing and just, just make the kid beat you with his arm until now, if he goes to getting comfortable back there, you know, yes, but you also have to have some confidence in your defensive line. That's been pretty solid this year. Beautiful. What questions do you have for me? Let's, let's turn the tables around here. Okay. Well, I mean, when Ohio state, you know, you're the brand cause you get, you don't have any other school to where on Monday night football or Sunday night football that they say the, you know, University of Florida, the University of Alabama, you know, none of none of that. So um, what is your general perception of Mizzou and how has it changed this year with the results and us being your opponent Friday in, in the Cotton Bowl? So, yeah, it's a great question. So Missouri's kind of um... – I would say we look at Missouri as um, that SEC team that's out of place. I, I, I in all honesty, like I, I look at Missouri personally, and I still think Big Twelve, kind of like Nebraska. I still, when we play Nebraska, I still think Big Twelve. But that's also, I'm also showing my age and the gray in my chin here when I <laughs> when I say that. Um, I think Missouri is like the idea of Missouri is changing in the Midwest and amongst Big Ten teams with the more success that you have in the SEC. There comes with when when you have success, there comes with it in that in that conference, there comes with it some some clout. Yeah. It, it really does, you know. Um there's no deny denying the fact that and, and this is what I got done <coughs> writing in my article on Scarlet and Game was we're playing third best team in the SEC by record, which means that this is the what in years past would have been the LSU or the Georgia when it was Bama and LSU. Um, years ago, people might remember when Tennessee was good or the Florida uh, when they were up there. I said, Missouri, Missouri's better than all of them right now. They're the third best team in the SEC. So if we walk in there thinking we're Ohio State and we're just going to roll our our gray helmets out there in the field, we're going to get beat. Yeah. We're going to get beat. So so I I, I don't think that's the the attitude that the team's going to have based off the interviews I've seen and and the and the um, the talk that's coming out of uh, bowl practice was that they are taking this serious. Uh, there's a lot of guys looking at trying to raise their draft stock in this game, so they know they have to have a good performance. Um, so they're going to take that serious. And there's a lot of guys who have a really bad taste in their mouth from losing to Michigan three straight years in a row. 
Yeah. And 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 so there there's a chip on their shoulder with that, and you get to play in SEC school. And well, you know what? We want to prove to everybody how good we are. And so, I don't think there's going to be a little brother Missouri type of attitude, you know, that comes from when you know an Alabama plays an Auburn, you know, or Michigan plays a Michigan State. Yeah. type of thing. I don't think that that's the attitude that's going to happen at all. I think there's going to be a lot of mutual respect and and uh, you know, uh, oftentimes in games like that when the when the little guy or the underdog punches the punches them in the mouth right away and draws blood, it's game on, you know. Absolutely. So yeah. I I I just think this is going to be just in my opinion outside of the college football playoff games and I'm not just saying this because it's the team I root for. I do think this will be the next best game that is out there. I don't I don't think Georgia Florida State's going to be that good. I mean, Florida State's going to try, but they're 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 fighting one-handed with one yep. hand tied behind their back, you know. Yep. They're supposed to be starting quarterback entered the transfer portal 2 days ago, so uh, you know it is what it is there, but yeah. um I just had a oh I may be a little bit behind here, so I haven't got to check Twitter uh, since this afternoon. So I don't know if our uniform drop has come out because we have so many different <laughs> uniform colors and styles to go out with. You guys like the Oregon of the SEC? <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, but I am wondering if we're going to roll out the block M and maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, get, get y'all amped up a little bit more. As far as seeing that block M on the uniform, yeah, that would that would uh, that would definitely anger a few of the Scarlet and Gray faithful, uh, yeah. no doubt about that. But I, I actually dig your yellow jerseys, your yellow unis. Oh, they're they're gold according to the school. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I think uh, they're I think they're cool though. I really do. I always I always liked us alternate. I like it when we wear our all blacks or our all scarlets. You know, we we do that every now and then. All whites. Once a year, they'll break those out so that Nike can make some more money. Uh, this year, they they came out with an all gray uniform, which we've all been begging for forever because the basketball teams had them since the '80s. But no, um, no I think it's uh, yeah that that block M is eerily similar to another one that we desperately do not like. So if you guys... Did Eli Drinkwitz win over a few Ohio State fans uh, when he was buttering y'all ups on the ESPN? He said, wait a minute, you know, I got uh, Stallions calling here. I got... Oh, yeah. Yeah. There there was definitely a chuckle from the Columbus faithful with that one, man. And I actually like that guy. I think he's got an awesome personality. Um, Him and Ryan Day actually are friends. I didn't know if you were aware of that. They've, They've talked about that. Ryan talked about it, how that, you know, they're both off offensive minded guys. Um, they've gone to camps together and kind of come up the coaching ranks together. And I think they're very similar and they've, you know, Drinkwitz has had to kind of pave his way a little bit more than what Ryan did. Ryan kind of fell into the job, um, based off of what, when urban stepped down. But, um, I think that is another tremendous uh, storyline in this is these two guys pitting wits against one another. Um, and we have a saying here in Columbus is that we want angry Ryan day. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Notre Dame after the Notre Dame game, when he was calling yeah, out 86 year old Lou Holtz, yeah. but yeah. Um, we like angry Ryan day. When, when Ryan day gets angry, he usually gets aggressive. And when he's an aggressive play caller, the offense seems to, 
um, play at a different level. When he gets conservative, um, it is it is like watching paint dry that offense. It is it is numb. It is just depressing. And so it's I think it's very very important that Ryan Day wins this football game for his um, for perspective of the fan base. Yeah. You do not want to go into another offseason having lost two games in a row at the end of the season after going undefeated all year and then losing to your rival and losing that bowl game. So I think there's going to be some pressure there on Ryan Day. <clears throat> I'm not sure from the other side of the field. I you know, I, I would assume there's probably not a ton of pressure for Drinkwitz, but um it's I mean, a statement game from our side of the field. It, yeah, uh, I, yeah, getting I to see play that. Ohio State on the big stage. Uh, no other game going on on Friday night. You get to go out and show, hey, we're, we're here and we we belong here. Um, you know, and I'm I'm glad that the mass exodus from Ohio State hasn't happened like we were expecting. Um, you know, because it, it seemed like at first when the bowl game was announced, a lot of Ohio State fans were like, oh, whatever, mail it in. I don't even care. You know, I'm not even watching. It's not the playoffs. Fire Ryan Day. You know, you, you saw a lot of that. So um, I'm, I'm excited that it's pretty much your best against our best. Um, you know, you got the big question mark at quarterback, but the way your fan base reacted when that change was announced, like, hey, okay, so that's not going to be an excuse now. You know, right. um, that's the thing. Like, I didn't want it to be watered down in any way that if we do win, oh, well, we had this player not playing or that player not playing, you know, like, oh, it seems like it's, I mean, quarterback and, and possibly receiver, that's still up in the air. Nothing's came out for certain that I know of. <clears throat> but uh, I do want to give you, Ohio State, a big thank you because – uh, one of my favorite things to do on a fall Saturday is be at Furrow Field in Columbia, Missouri, and we, we've got a chant to where it's M-I-Z from the student section side and then the alumni side chants back Z-O-U, and it's really cool in the atmosphere. We got that from a group um, of Mizzou fans at an Ohio State game, I believe in the 60s or 70s, here in the O-H-I-O that y'all do. So we got our <laughs> chant. We, we kind of took it and you know adopted it to to our name and so i i just do want to thank y'all for that at least because i love getting a chant the m-i-z-z-o-u i've got uh two sons eight and five and i've got them taught m-i-z-z-o-u there you, <laughs> you know, go so i love it that's awesome and hey i know you got to run to another show here real quick where can everybody find the woods water mizzou podcast uh, we're on all major platforms. Uh, if you want to find, follow us on Twitter or X, whatever it's called these days, it's at Mizzou Pod. Uh, I don't know how Twitter's been around over 10 years and nobody had that handle, but it was available and I took it. So that's what we got. But uh, we'll be coming out with the show here tonight later ourselves. And man, we're looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it because I'm driving down, going to be at the game Friday, hopefully Sunday night on the show. I don't have much of a voice because I'm screaming in a victory. Uh, well, let's do this then. I'll tell you what. If you do my chant, I'll do yours. O-H-I-O-M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Let's have some fun Friday night, my friends.
All right, we want to thank Skeeter from the Woods Water Mizzou podcast for joining us. Great interview. Go check out their show. Great guys over there. We really appreciate that. Aaron, it is now time, one more time this season, to do our predictions. And uh, Chris isn't with us tonight. Um, He's enjoying some family here on the holiday break, so we are so thankful that he joined us the other night to – Break down the history and statistics of this game. Very interesting. 25 years between games between the Tigers and the Buckeyes. All right. You guys know the know the drill by now. Down in the comments section, if you're watching this video on YouTube, give your score prediction. Uh, if you happen to hit the exact score, be the first one to predict the exact score, you will win some free OHIO podcast merchandise. All right, Aaron, here we go. Chris's prediction was... 34, 24 Buckeyes over the Tigers. Aaron, you are at 31 to 20. I am the closest one here. I'm at 24 to 23. Um, Now let me explain my score here, okay? New quarterback. Some very first start is in a bowl game against the number ninth ranked team in the country. They had no opt-outs. They do have a couple injuries, but they have had no opt-outs. I think this is going to be a very close game. I think we get out to a lead. We have to hold on at the end. The defense is going to need to win this thing. We're going to need a big stop. Maybe they take the lead over 23-20 or something like that, and we kick a field goal, hopefully to win it at the end of the game as opposed to kicking one and missing it. I think it's going to be very close. You're not so close. Why is that? I don't have confidence that their defense is going to be able to stop what we're doing. Uh, two of the key players you mentioned that are out is their best linebacker and one of their better DBs. They're already not great at coverage, and without their best linebacker, I'm not sure how well that's going to do stopping the run because that's a big difference maker. When, you're, when your whole defense is set up, to plug holes or gaps with your D line and then the secondary slash linebackers come to clean it up. Well, if you don't have that, the uh, the next man up, I know you hate that phrase, but if they don't have that, that, that that's good news for Travion or whoever else, Dallin Hayden, whoever, whoever's running the ball, that's good news. Plus I understand where you're coming from. We don't know really what Devin's capable of either, but, there's a reason that he's starting. There's a reason the team is rallying around him. Yes, and they are. I have to believe that they obvi- – that well, clearly they know something we don't. They're at practice. They're in the locker room. They're gelled. They're – you know what I mean? Like he's played all year. Like Kyle McCord was never there almost. And I have supreme confidence that that type of team, uh, I guess, atmosphere and culture – that's going to really shine through for us, and I think that they're going to finish this season the way they wanted to do it, and that's with a dominant win at the end. Okay. I hope you're right. <clears throat> Here's some of my concerns. I'm concerned Ryan Day is going to be conservative Ryan Day. That's always new, a concern. New yeah. quarterback, first start. <clears throat> He's going to try to jam the football run the football, square peg through a round hole over and over and over again. It's going to f- be frustrating because they're going to load the box. We're not going to get the push up front, and it's it's going to look 
discombobulated. That is my concern. If we see aggressive Ryan Day again for a second straight year, play calling in the bowl game, I'm also going to be frustrated because I'm like, how can you do the mental gymnastics in your head to go from conservative in the game, lose, take two to three weeks off thinking about it, and come out uber aggressive in the bowl game every time and look completely different. Either way, I'm going to be frustrated. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm more frustrated about that than I was the latter. So I just, I'm just, I mean, I can't, I can see a scenario, Aaron, where we come on Saturday, we, we all decide we need to do an emergency podcast on Saturday. And we all ask the question of why wasn't Devin Brown starting from day number one? That is a possibility in this game, man. And what leads me to think that is everything you just mentioned. The way this team seems to be rallying around this guy at practice. The good vibes we're getting from people. Like, it almost makes you feel like this was the one the players wanted to get that starting position. Yeah. Well, you guys talked about it a lot throughout the season, man. When you and Chris went to the practices over the summer and – you've talked about it several times how much better he looked than Kyle McCord or you know just whatever the difference was he had it but somehow McCord got the job anyway so I you know I I can't disagree with what you're saying the players are behind him there's a reason for that that's not the only storyline here in Devin Brown Ryan Day Um, I think quietly what's not being mentioned is Jim Knowles and the job he's done this year and the bad taste in that defense's mouth from Ann Arbor. Oh, yeah. They, di- they didn't play bad that game, Aaron. No, no. They played really well. They just they just couldn't get off the field on two drives. That really, that really hurt, hurt them. But they played well enough to win that football game if the offense wouldn't have, A, put them in bad situations to begin the game, and number two, if the offense would have actually generated some more some more offense and sustained drives a little bit better, then I think the defense probably would have held them to under 20 points. What was the final score, 26-20? It's not like, it's not like they blew us out. No, I, I think it was 30-26. to 26. Was it 30 30- to I have to, to look it up. Let me like look that. it up real fast. Doesn't matter. It was a tight game, and I'll be real with you, man. I think it had more to do with thirty twenty four. Thirty twenty four. Okay. All right. I just think it had more to do with the <laughs> fact that the offense couldn't stay on the field. It had more to do with that, in my opinion, than it did the defense not being able to get off. Because if the defense can only do so much, and they did their job the whole game. Until the very end. And they're going to get gassed. They're going to get tired because they were getting pounded because Michigan was just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. So I think it had a lot to do with the offense not being able to stay on the field. Yeah. I think Missouri is going to have a very similar game plan offensively. And I think Ohio State is going to defensively absolutely refuse to let that happen again in this game. I I really do feel like the defense is coming to play. That's why I said 24-23 to me seems 
around the ballpark of where I think this game is going to be. Because I just I I'll be shocked if Missouri scores thirty or more, even though they they do have a a in their eyes a powerful offense. Um, no one has been able to do that. Now, you know the whole ideology of well three yards in a cloud of dust in the Big Ten is kind of the mindset that people have who aren't around the Big Ten. There's a lot of spread offense being played in the Big Ten now. Uh, there's a lot of pro-style uh, offense being played. There's a lot of motions and shifts and mismatches that are made. Ohio State this year, through all of that, ev- has, has answered the bell defensively every single game. Even that game in Ann Arbor, I still believe that. I don't think this is any different. I really don't. That's why I think it's going to be a close game. And if somehow offensively we can, we look like we have in the past, just not this season, and, and we're going to be in the high 30s, 40 points, it's game over. Turn the lights out. They, I don't think they have a chance. Yeah, and that that's just what I think is going to happen, man. I just think they're going to be hyped, uh, the, the Buckeyes, that is. They're going to be hyped for this game. They want to go out with a win, and they want it to be a big win. And I 100% agree with what you said. There's no way that Missouri will do what Michigan did. They just – I don't think the pride, the team pride, it's not even about the state of Ohio. I know that's what they're saying, and that's cool. That sounds great. Maybe it is the case. But when you go and step on the field, you're doing it for the guys that you spend 24-7 with through the season, through the offseason – when you stay in the dorms or wherever you stay at, the athlete dorms, apartments, whatever, that's who you're doing it for. These guys are brothers. They did not reach their goals. They're going to reach this one. You know, if and if they don't, then we have some serious questions that we need to start asking. Yes, we do. And it starts with the portal mm-hmm. along with some cultural, cultural things. But yep. Absolutely. And we will address those, but I'm hoping we don't have to. I'm hoping we have a victorious um, game at the Cotton Bowl. We go 3-0 and in the Cotton Bowl. We're 2-0 and in the Cotton Bowl right now. Uh, Ryan Day's 0-2 against SEC teams, so he needs to break that streak. And we come back, and I can be mad about other things. <laughs> Either way, I'm going to be frustrated and mad. I already know that. Life of a Buckeye fan, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Please like, share, subscribe. We really do appreciate it. If you're listening to the audio version, please give us a five-star review. Really does help the channel and gets us into the earbuds of Buckeye fans much like yourself. If you haven't already, please go over to our uh, channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are only just a couple away from 800, and then we can begin the off-season push to reaching 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're so close, so we really do appreciate each and every single one of you who have done that. And if you've laid, if you've lasted to the this portion of the video all the way to the very end, pat yourself on the back. You are a true Buckeye fan. Aaron, enjoy the Cotton Bowl, my man. Hey, you too, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Till next time, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH. St. Carmen High with all your heart. OH. I owe.